0: Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury. I'll be joined, as always, by Steve Saverin and Clarky. Loaded show this week, we will chat with our friend Ian Doig of the Ian Doig Golf Academy about Corey Connors and his impressive showing at the last two tournaments. What happened to Lee Westwood and JT's incredible victory at the Players Championship. Then we'll be joined by Sabres super fan and host of the Two Goalies One Mic podcast, Dwayne Steinel, to talk about the unfortunate situation with his beloved Sabres. Where do they go from here? How do they fix it? We'll try and answer that with Dwayne. And then at the end, we'll be joined as always by Wagering expert Chris Abbott from Coolbet. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by Coolbet.co.
1: This is
0: MWO Sports. MWO Sports brought to you by Coolbet.co, Ryan Drury, alongside Clarky and Steve Sabron. We're very pleased to be joined by friend of the show, Ian Doig, longtime pro golfer and caddy as well. Doigie, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm good, guys. Having a great day. A little That's golf great. applause, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. A little,
0: that, a little golf applause a golf clap for Doigie. He deserves it. Uh, Someone else who deserves the golf claps lately of course is uh, our favorite son of Listowel here, Corey Connors who's had two good showings in a row. Third at the Arnie Palmer Classic and then takes sole possession of seventh uh, at the Players' Championship. Went into the clubhouse as the clubhouse leader. Uh, Of course, we, we saw an unbelievable final round by JT there, but let's dig into what Corey did the last two weekends here Doigie, what did you make of his game and what made him so successful in those two tournaments?
2: Well, I mean, obviously his game is very sharp right now. And I really like the way he's swinging the golf club. Uh, I paid attention to a a lot of his shots that I was able to see. Uh, The one thing that he's always had in his golf swing is he has a phenomenal change of direction. So what I mean by that is at the top of his backswing, he's never in a rush. There's a distinct pause, and so when a player is under pressure in the hunt of the event, to have that little bit of a pause so there's no no anxiety gets into the golf swing, that really helps him, especially down the stretch in tournaments when he's in the hunt. I actually see great things coming for him. I'm glad he's taking this week off. He needs a bit of a rest after two big tournaments, and he's got a big stretch coming up. I expect to see him in contention over the next month.
3: Dougie, is that pause new in his game? Like, have you noticed
2: him change that recently? No, he's had it all along. And it's, you know, uh, some teachers will say it's a little idiosyncrasy of his, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's been many players over the history of the game that have had that little pause at the top. You know, Bob Murphy comes to mind for me as an old guy. He won the Canadian Open back in the 80s and he had a very distinct pause. And then you think of Hideki Matsuyama. He's got a big pause at the top of his as well.
3: Uh, You know, speaking of little idiosyncrasies in in golf swings, do you remember when Sergio went through that little waggle before he hit the ball? Like, it was getting out of control. and must have been in his head. Has that ever happened to you? Like, have you had something where you you just can't get rid of it and and it just drives you crazy?
2: Uh, No, fortunately not. Um, I've been lucky now. I did go through a period of time at the turn of the century where I had a slight case of the driver yips, and I could miss the fairways by a hundred yards to the right. And it got to the point where I was playing nationwide stuff. And I, w- I went through almost a whole season where I didn't use a tee. Uh, the minute I put the ball up on a tee with my driver, it was going hard, right? Oh my. So I started just hitting it off the ground all the time. Like it was a three wood, but I was using my driver. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty scary for a little while. Not fun.
4: You know, it's uh, funny because professional sports is such a uh, uh, repetition, right? Um, But it's not always practice makes perfect. It's practice makes permanent, as uh, Doug Neal, a uh, pitching coach at the national level, uh, always says. And I guess preparation is huge. So when you talk about Corey Connors taking this week off and preparing for a big stretch, what type of preparation is he doing?
2: Well, I think looking at his stats, um, you start to look down at his line, his greens and regulation, his ball striking, his driver off the tee. He's top 15 on the PGA tour. So what I look at it is putting when he's on, he's very good, but when he's off, he's well down back down in around a hundred on the tour short game. He's 122nd right now, which is horrendous. So, three things that I would look at. He, the first few days of the week, I, I would believe that he was he did nothing, just relaxed, got you know got all the essentials out of, out of the way, making sure everything's in order so that then he could work on putting short game and just maintaining the good ball striking that he's got right now ready to go forward. Uh, the biggest thing though, after two big weeks where he was fully in contention with a chance to win is rest. He's got to rest. That's the big thing.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Corey Connors, like we mentioned at the top, finished third at the Arnie Palmer, seventh, sole seventh at the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. Uh, Let's talk about some of the other happenings throughout the weekend. And it all came down to Sunday, and that's always very exciting in the golf world. And we went in with uh, Old Lee in the lead, and this guy just cannot close out a big tournament over here. Westwood has been great over in Europe. He's won tournaments on five continents. He just cannot get that big win on the PGA Tour over here. What happened to Lee Westwood on Sunday, Doigie? What was it that caused him to melt down?
2: Well, early in the round I saw a couple things. He looked uh, a little anxious. His uh, swing got a little out of sync. You saw him hit a couple big slices on number... uh, two and four that cost him. He hit it in, the, in water both times. Uh, and so when you really think of it now, he, he lost by a shot, but he gave away three or four shots in those first four holes of the tournament on Sunday, final round. Um, and after he was kind of not in the lead anymore, he relaxed and went back to his game and played very solid down the stretch. That said, I wouldn't say that he lost the tournament. JT beat him. With that round, the JT or the weekend JT at 64, 68, that's hard to beat. So, uh, you know, Lee's a great guy, uh, very personable, a lot of fun to to kind of be around and that. Um, and honestly, sometimes you're just snake bit. It's not like he's played poorly. You know, he's just gotten beat by better scores, And that happens. I mean, when you think about golf, you know, the leading winner of all time is Tiger, And at one point in time, Tiger was winning about 27% of the tournaments he played in. Now, that's gone down over recent years. But after Tiger, the leading uh, percentage-wise is Jack Nicklaus at around 7.5%. And then you drop down to about 3.5% after that. So out of every 100 tournaments you play, you might win three if you're one of the best in the world. So for for Lee Westwood to go without winning in, in North America, for me... You know, some people think, and I think he should have won more because he's a great player, but it's, it's not like it's crazy, you know, it's just hard to win
3: Mm -hmm. for sure. And, you know, I I, uh, was actually had the opportunity this weekend to do some social distancing with Mr. Doig. And it was a fun afternoon. Saturday, we hung out a little bit together. And what I did find out, though, Ryan, maybe your question should have been better posed to Ian's wife, Kathleen, because she, I found out, is a huge Lee Westwood fan. And what would she have said?
2: Was she upset that he couldn't hold on? Well, yeah, I mean, of course she was upset. She's in love with the guy. (laughs) Actually, my wife has about five boyfriends out on the tour, uh, but you know she she really likes Lee. Has always liked Lee, and Lee Lee's always been very nice. And we've had some good pictures with him and stuff. And I think I told Clarky the story. Am I allowed to tell this story on on air, Clarkie? So, oh,
3: if, if if it's not good, we can beep it out.
2: We we can beep it out. So we we were at Kathleen and I were at the Masters one year, and and Lee came out and we got some pictures with him and chatted with him for a few minutes. But later in the day, we we're over at the par three tournament and he was coming along signing autographs. And there was two little old ladies sitting beside us in their chairs. And they were in their definitely in their seventies, maybe their eighties. And Lee comes walking along and he kind of looks over at me. And one of the ladies looks at him and she's her head's right at crotch level. And she looks at him and she looks him up. She looks him down. She looks him up and she looks at him and says, Oh my, did your mommy ever dress you pretty today? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lee Lee and I had a pretty good. We had a pretty good chuckle out of that, and uh, he came over and talked to me for a minute. And I said, "I bet you on your next shot." I know what you're thinking about, and when he when it was his turn to hit, he turned around and winked at me. So I knew exactly what he was thinking about when he was hitting his next shot. So
3: nice, unbelievable. Hey, you mentioned Tiger. Do you think he can come back from this latest uh, car accident and be able to play and compete again?
2: I hope so um as a as a fan of, of tiger and what he's done for the game of golf 100% i hope so i think it would be one hell of a final chapter for him to come back and and maybe win a tournament and especially if it were a major um you know you never know and you know you don't know what kind of drive he still has left at this age right how hard he's going to work at it to get back i look at wayne madour last week at the briar i mean uh, broke his ankle and his leg in 11 different places. And uh, I had had lunch with Wayne not long after that. And uh, he told me he didn't think he'd ever curl again. And here he was, he was in contention to win. So um, if Wayne Wayne can do it, I'm sure Tiger can do it as well. It'd be fun.
4: Um, I want to take a look at the Canadian landscape. And unfortunately, due to the uh, situation that we're dealing with internationally with COVID, the Canadian Open, of course, has been shelved again and you know, what does that do for Canadian golf? Like, we're fortunate to have some pretty good Canadians in the PGA Tour, but when you can't come to Canada and, and you know, play in a major, that has to be disappointing.
2: Very much so. Um, very disappointing. And as a Canadian player, and Corey would say this, and and uh, Mackenzie you, Mike Weir, we would all say it. It was our fifth major. Um Mm -hmm. you know they they talk about all the time players will say well you know when we're growing up we we dream and we we talk about being you know on the putting green or on the range practicing and we're talking about you know oh this this is to tie jack nicholas for the master's lead or this is to win the u.s open against curtis strange or whatever as a canadian it was for me it was always this is to win the canadian open and so it's our fifth major and uh I'm surprised that we've gone as long as we have without a Canadian winning it. Uh, with the, the group of players that we have on tour now, I certainly could see that changing over the next you know, six to ten years. Uh, we've got a great good group of good players. It's just very disappointing that, again, for a second year in a row, we're not going to have it. Um, I was looking forward to trying to qualify for it because it was at St. George's this year, and that's a golf course that I can play well on because it's mm. not overly long.
0: Yeah. And, and like you said, I I think, you know, hopefully we will maybe see Mr. Connors win it a couple of times. And Steve, like you mentioned, there's a lot of great Canadian golfers on the tour. I mean, the Honda classic this weekend, we're recording this after round one, uh, Kenzie Hughes, the high Canadian, uh, tied for 15th at 200. Of course, Matt Jones uh, of Australia leading after the first round. Uh, we talked a little bit about Lee's tough weekend. Of course, Bryson DeChambeau, who he was paired with in the last pair, he had a bit of a rough day as well on four. He, he shanked it a good 70 yards to the right, and he managed to recover and had an okay tournament at the end of the day. But, Let's talk about JT, Justin Thomas. I mean, he's the third ranked player in the world. Everybody knows that this guy is an incredible golfer, but what he did on Saturday and Sunday, Sunday in particular, was just pure domination. I mean, it's been a while, maybe not since Kepka at his last U.S. Open win that I've seen a golfer completely obliterate a golf course and blow by his competition the way JT did. What was it about the way he played this, this past weekend, I should say, that launched him past everybody to an incredibly emotional win for himself.
2: Yeah, very emotional for sure. Um, you know, I, I watch his golf game. His golf game doesn't change week to week. It's always very, very solid. Um, but in particular for TPC Sawgrass, he hits the ball very high with his irons. So you get hard, firm, fast greens where the ball comes in, a little lower ball plate. It's harder to keep it near the hole. He did a great, great job of that. I think about the shot that he hit to 11 on uh, Sunday and he made, went on to make eagle. Uh, very high iron coming in over the bunker in the water. Um, so he's just a very solid player. I think what was happening is, you know, he had a bit of turmoil this year with uh, something that he said that was caught on air. And he's kind of fought his way through that. And then his uh, his grandpa passing away. And here we are about a month or so past that. And I think it was just a matter of time before he was able to get the emotions kind of in check and get back into focus while he was on the golf course. And I think that came about this week. I would be very surprised to not see him in contention over the next four or five weeks, especially at the Masters.
0: I agree and I I like I said I mean he just dominated the tournament the last 2 days. Want to talk a little bit about 17. I mean that hole is extremely famous. I mean they were playing tigers better than most putt Uh, All weekend long. I mean, it's an iconic moment in a career of iconic moments. Um, What is it about that hole? Like, it just has like a weird mystique about it. It's one of the weirder holes on the tour. Um, Have you ever played it, first of all, Doigie? And second, what if you haven't or you have, what is the strategy going into that hole?
2: Well, I have been fortunate enough to play it on a few occasions. And the hole gets into your head. I can tell you that the first time I was going to play there, which was a long time ago, back in the late 80s, I started thinking about the 17th hole three days before my tee time. So you think about that. It was in my head for three and a half days. And then finally, when you get there, you've been thinking about it that whole time. So now you're all amped up. Like, what are you going to do? And so I can't imagine what it's like during the tournament. You know, and what you're thinking about, and that's probably the hardest part. I mean, I look back at the year; I think it was uh, uh, Ricky Fowler. He made four twos or five twos on it, counting the playoff, right? And so to be able to go through that hole like that—that's crazy. Um, but it's it's a nerve thing. You just have to get your nerves and your breathing under control, and 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 focus on. It. It's not like it's a long shot. Like uh, you know, we're hitting nine irons and wedges and 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 gap wedges now for these young guys, and so you think about how many times have I hit a wedge from 128 yards to 10 feet from the flag all yeah. the time until you put water completely around the green. And all of a sudden it's a different shot, right? So the, it becomes a very difficult hole when the wind comes up. Mm-hmm. I remember caddying there the first year of the tournament was played on that golf course. And in the practice rounds, it was so windy downwind the guys were actually talking about hitting it over the green, over the water to the far bank and then hitting it back into the wind from over there and taking their four and running. Wow. That's how windy it was. So it never happened that way because the winds calmed down and everything, but it just gets into your head. It's, uh, you know, I mean, uh, and which is for me is funny because as, a, as a, a good player, we're never worried about hitting it over water. Because we're pretty, we believe that we can kick, get the ball in the air and carry it that far with whatever club. We're more worried about water that is adjacent to the green, because we can push it right or pull it left, and that's where the water. Is. So that's when we become nervous with water. It's, it's not when it's when we're trying to carry water, but the problem with that hole is you have to carry it. You can't go right, you can't go left, and you can't go long or it's in the water everywhere. So that's what makes that hole so, so difficult and trying for the guys.
3: And I got to tell you, um, they have a replica hole of that 17 at Wooden Sticks. And I've played there many times, one of my favorite golf courses. And one time I was there, I was with my boss from the fan at the time, Nelson Millman. And the the pin was at the front, like down in the little... Sally there at the front and he hit a shot. I think it was playing like 110 yards. He hit a shot, hit the Hill and just started trickling trickling. And it was like slow motion, slow motion right in the hole hole in one. Yeah. So uh, if Ryan, if you ever want to go golfing, I love wooden sticks. I would highly recommend it. And you can just sit there all day with a bucket of balls and see if you can hit the green.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that definitely I'll give that a try.
2: We we could do that next summer. The uh, Greg Seaman, one of the uh, owners over there, is a friend of mine. So we could probably hook that up. No problem.
0: Let's okay. do that. Absolutely, Steve. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to ask
4: uh, about golf in general. Like last summer uh, again with the situation, um, golf saw a huge push. Um, people getting out, getting into the game. Have you heard anything in your circles about the same thing happening this year? We have above average temperatures. I'm sure people are chomping at the bit to get out again. Uh, What have you heard about golf in general in Ontario?
2: Well, uh, I do know I talked to Amy in the pro shop today at our place at Tangle Creek in Barrie, and the phone's ringing off the hook, wondering if we're going to be open this weekend which we're not. And so uh, there are some golf courses in the area opening. And I know down Burlington way, there's quite a few that have already opened up. And, and yes, our, our memberships are up. Uh, the, the amount of uh, traffic that we're getting on the website and then through phone calls uh, way up. Uh, so it certainly looks like because of COVID, we're still going to have another banner year. I've talked to a couple of other GMs at other courses in the area. Uh, The funny thing about it is, um, you know, over, over, over years, you have food and beverage and all that, but uh, there wasn't much of that last year because we were closed at the start of the season and golf courses are now not having weddings and outside tournaments and stuff because they found that last year they made more money just with green fees and people coming out and playing. And if they can continue that, that's where they're going to go. Uh, I know a local golf course here has already said no weddings, no outside tournaments at all. We're just going to have the green figures and let them play. So, yeah, the numbers are good. I think they're going to be up again this year. And uh, uh, I'm getting uh, from my academy, I'm getting a lot of interest from uh, new golfers. Uh, I've already booked in about uh, eight or ten new lessons people have never played before. They're taking up the game this year for the first time. And how do and people nice. get a hold of you? Hi, Ian Golf Academy, golf. Dot com.
0: That's perfect. Uh, Make sure you phone our friend Doigie for some lessons. I might have to go down there. Might be dipping into the podcast world too, uh, we heard before the show. So pay attention to the website. Uh, Doigie will be uh, launching himself into the podcast game. So welcome to that world as well. Uh, I do want to note before I ask you one last thing, Doigie, uh, some big news in the golf world, and I'm glad you brought up Tiger Woods, guys. Uh, He has signed a new deal with Sony 2K to reinvigorate the Tiger Woods video game golf series now if you're a big gamer like myself you'll know he was with ea sports for a very long time and had one of the most successful video game franchises ever uh and of course in recent years rory mcelroy took over the ea sports games tiger is coming back he's signed a new deal. I believe it's a five-year agreement with 2K. So Tiger Woods will be gracing the cover of Great Golf Video Games again, which is great news. Uh, Doigie, uh, before we let you go, like you mentioned, Clarky visited you recently. I heard he may have walked away with a couple trinkets. Why don't you tell us about that? Okay, but don't
3: you remember last time he was on the air, he was ripping me from my little Wilson (laughs) driver? Yes, he was was not happy with me still using it. So,
2: so we, we were able to find Clarky. Oh, there it is. Wow. A new new tailor-made, well, not new, but a a used tailor-made SLDR uh, 460, with a uh, shaft that I gave him, I took the shaft out of one of my older clubs and threw it in there for him. So he's got a good solid shaft and I'm expecting nothing but uh, 300 yard drives right down the middle of this summer, Clark. I was doing that with the Wilson.
4: Oh, see, now he's going to be clamoring for his own video
0: game, Clarky 2K. Oh no, yeah, yeah that so Ian,
3: Ian took care of me, and I thank him for well,
2: it. And the other thing too is he 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 uh, he might be the best dressed golfer in, in Listville this year as well. He he yes. walked away with some clothing this this weekend as well. So we yeah. looked after him from that perspective too. So yeah, it was worth the, the, the trip. Are, they they are we supposed to thank Nike for that? Uh, can, I don't care who you think. We don't need we to thank th- anyone.
0: You want. <laughs> Nike's doing fine. They can, we don't need to thank them. Jeez, Clark, you what a spoiled brat you are! Yeah, Clark. Yeah, Clarky. Two K Golf, Steve. That'll end up like the ET game in the '80s. People will be finding that in dumpsters in 40 years. <laughs> Our friend, right, enough Doig of the Ian Doyle Golf Academy. Visit his website if you want to book lessons and learn from one of the best. Ian is your man. Doigie, thanks so much for doing this, buddy.
2: Thanks, guys, very much, and uh, let's get those Leafs
0: all fired up for the the finish. They'll get it figured out, as, of course, the technology failing us a bit at the end there. Uh, We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have an interesting conversation. If you haven't been watching the NHL this year, the Buffalo Sabres are bringing tire fire to a whole new level. They are awful. We are going to talk with one of their most passionate fans, a man named Dwayne Steinel. People may remember a couple years ago, he had a viral rant on Buffalo Sports Talk Radio as a call-in that went viral. Uh, we're going to play that rant for you uh, as we head into break here, and we'll, we'll come back and talk with Dwayne about what the heck his Sabres are going to do next. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Adam, roll the tape.
1: All right, eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Those are the numbers. Dwayne is going to lead us off this segment. Hi, Dwayne. Thanks for calling. You're on the air.
5: Hey, thanks, Bulldog. Thanks, guys. Uh, If you just give me a a few, like a minute here, just to, I'll try and organize my thoughts as best I can. I'm just, you know, I've, you know, I've the twenty four years they've been in that arena. I think, in some form of capacity, I've been a season ticket holder for about fifteen of those years. You know, I started my first hockey card with Brad May. My first jersey was Pat LaFontaine. I idolized Dominic Hasek. I played goalie because of Dominic Hasek. I, you know, I work for Hasek Foundation now as, as, as a coach. And, you know, I, my life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. You know, I, I, I went to the finals games as a kid with my dad. I watched Jeff Sanderson score with arm, one arm around, Eddie, <laughs> around Ed Belfort. You know, I have so many yep. great moments. To talk about with this hockey team and like I, I, I just i'm surprised the organization remembered to wish dominic cash a happy birthday today i'll put it that way i just it, it, it's so mind-boggling how we've fallen this far and like i don't need i i, I was cautiously optimistic coming into this season because i wasn't fully expecting playoffs but I was happy with the way the season started because the competitiveness was there. Last year was misery 100% after the 10 game streak. It was absolute misery because the competitive is the passion was not there. And it's been there. And then they go out and lay an egg last night in front of me. I was, of course I was at the game. First time I went to a game with my sister, by the way, and she had to sit there through that. And it's just, it's mind blowing. Like, I, I, and I don't need a Jerry Jones type of owner. Like, I need an owner who's going to answer the fans when they misspell names on jerseys and have Chinese knockoffs on alumni. Like, what is going on? Like, what are we doing? Like, I don't understand it, man. Like, Bulldog, you've lived through this. You've seen it. Like, have you ever been, like, have they ever sucked a passion out of you like they have me? I've dedicated my life to hockey because of this team. Like, I can't do it anymore, man. Like, like, I'm seriously for the first time considering just not being a team ticket holder this year. Like, like uh, I, and, and even when the team was terrible, Ted Black would come on the station and talk to fans and address concerns. I don't need the foot, the, the, I don't need a damn camera in front of Terry Pagula every single day, but address our concerns. Be there when, when, when you screw up. Answer for the mistakes. Be accountable. You know, this, it, like, Pell Al-Fontaine being forced out of, the, out of the organization, you know, five years ago, how long it was. Like, I don't need an explanation, but it's just been mediocrity. It's, it's almost worse than the Bills drought. Like, like and you know what? As, as, you know, I don't know what people's opinions of the man were, you know, with Russ Brandon, but if Russ Brandon was running the team still, I highly doubt he would have allowed Chinese knockoff jerseys to be worn by Danny Garrett at Turkey Drive. I went down on the ice, the go-ahead, missing deadline. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is it? Like, I, 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 I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as this team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, go hide in your house in Florida. Like, what is this? Get in front of the camera and at least make us feel that we, that we matter. That we matter to you. Like, I'm sick of it, Bulldog. I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry.
1: This is MWO Sports.
0: Welcome back to MWO Sports. Ryan Drury here alongside Clarky and Steve Sabrin. We thank our buddy Ian Doig of the Ian Doig Golf Academy for joining us in the last segment. We are brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Very pleased to be joined by a new friend of the show, Dwayne Steinel. He is the host, one of the hosts, I should say, of the Two Goalies, One Mike Podcast. He is a diehard Buffalo Sabres fan. And that is unfortunate right now because the Sabres are having a rough go of things this year. Uh, Dwayne first of all welcome to the show and second of all uh, we played your now infamous rant on Buffalo Sports Talk Radio from a couple years ago that went viral. What inspired you to call into the show and and start your podcast as well?
6: Well uh, the podcast actually started a few years ago it only lasted two episodes and then my co-host life kind of got in the way. Um, had a couple kids and you know uh, we had to put on hold and then Nothing like. I mean, if you want to say what inspired the the rant, I guess last year, um, it was pretty. It wasn't like premeditated or planned. I was sitting in the parking lot of my gym, and you know, I just you know got done watching the Sabers, uh, you know, get get shelled by the Senators out of, after the All Star break, and it was uh, you know a team that was below you in the standings. You're getting ready to. Uh, You know have a good chance to take a run at things and you know against a bunch of teams below you in the standings and maybe see yourself in a playoff spot and just they they it was it was miserable to watch it was so bad it was the worst thing worst hockey i'd seen since the previous year um and it it was just you know i was sitting in the parking lot just going through twitter sabers twitter which is a very negative place very dark place and and uh it just started to build up man it just a lot of negativity and and you know, a lot of you know it's time to hold the ones responsible accountable and it was you know i've been defending the pagula family for a very very long time to that point and it was just done there <laughs> it was you know in the beginning of the call you hear me kind of get like kind of you know held up in my words you know just uh Kind of, kind, of, kind of got mixed up and I just said in my brain, I was just like, you know what, screw it, go. <laughs> just, and uh, it, you know, it just, I guess the rest is history. Um, again, it was nothing that was planned or something I wanted to do or expected to blow up the way it did. But, you know, I guess it's been fun ever since. I've made a lot of good friendships since. Uh, me and Cully got reacquainted. Um, we've met, I've, we've had a lot of cool guests on the show uh, guys, you know, you know, I know you guys are some Toronto fans up there. We had Rip Vive on the show recently. Um, you know, former Sabre alumni, but obviously a former Toronto alumni as well. We had Steve Dangle on the show. Uh, you know, former Sabres alumni, Baron, Grant Fuhrer, Steve Shields, Rob Ray, Barnaby, Derek Plant, Dixon Ward, Olaf Kolzig from the Capitals. There's a lot of cool guests, a lot of great writers from The Athletic. And, uh, you know, uh, we had, uh, uh, Justin Bourne from, uh, I believe, Sportsnet. Uh, he was one of our first guests. It's just, it's been really cool to make some relationships and meet some really cool people. I think that's the one positive I could take out of all of it.
3: Hey, Dwayne, uh, obviously you, you must, uh, not have a kind place in your heart for Pagula, but do you think it starts and ends with him? Like, do you think they can get out of it? And I know we only have, well, half an hour for this show, but, um, what would you do to turn this team around?
6: You need to hire hockey people to make hockey decisions. Um, you know, I know up in Toronto, Brendan Shanahan's been pretty integral in turning that ship around. Um, you know, going on from obviously Lou Lamorello. I know he, he, you know, they chose not to bring him back, and then obviously you know the you know you know you know you have Dubois and uh, you know uh, Keith right now doing a phenomenal job. But it's just uh, you know after the Pat Lafontaine debacle, where you annihilated you know a Sabres legend, the guy whose numbers in the Raptors you've chosen not to go that route again and mm. you've chosen to, you know, I guess I don't want to say trust the wrong people, but not put hockey minds to make hockey decisions. And I think that's where they fall, fall short is, you know, you, you know, you've you're on your seventh head coach since you've taken over the team. Um, I think this is the fourth GM, uh, Kevin Adams. And now he hasn't done a bad job, but he hasn't blown me out of the water. People, a lot of people like to give him credit for Taylor hall. But, you know, I I agree that was a great signing at the time, but, you know, if if I'm Taylor Hall and I want to get paid and I want to have an opportunity, you know, to eventually get a long-term deal for a lot of money, you know, I want to play with the best center available in free agency and Jack Eichel was that. So how difficult was that of a signing? Was that really, you know, if I'm Taylor Hall, it's like, I saw what he did with Jeff Skinner and got Jeff Skinner paid $9 million a year. I want the same result from that i want i want to i want to score 40 goals you know that so i'm not willing to give him you know in the, the all the credit in the world for that because i think that was more of a layup than people give it you know maybe may, might might think but um i i think you just need you need an assistant gm and i think you could really use a, a president of hockey yeah. operations. But, I mean, look, like every other team right yeah, rick dudley lives right in lewiston new york you know you saw what he did with carolina um, before he left that organization, you think it would make sense. And exactly. They're not willing to pay the money. You know, you saw the budget cutting they did, you know, you know, during COVID, all the people they let go and that they took a lot of heat for that. And mm-hmm. now they're paying, they're still paying the previous head coach. Now they're paying Ralph Kruger to not coach. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's miserable. <laughs> oh, so miserable. I never thought it could get lower than last season, but I was wrong. Boy, was I wrong.
4: Well, it's got to be tough, too, because I mean, with the success that the Buffalo Bills have had and the upswing they're going, uh, I mean, but when you look at the talent and the skill level that should be on the ice, like it's it's got to be mind boggling when you've got you just mentioned them in one sentence, Hall, Skinner and uh, Eichel. Like it's, it's you have to be befuddled.
6: No, you know, the the thing of it is, I'm sorry, my dog's here. <laughs> the thing of it is, is no, dude, not now. The <laughs> um, <laughs> same dog for my profile picture on Twitter. Oh uh, boy. Yeah, I, I had him. I was actually just on with sports not before this. I had him outside during that. and I didn't want to do that again to him, so I apologize. Guys. It's,
0: okay. it's all good. Yeah, all
6: good. But um, no, it, you know, it's. um, you See, dude, you made me lose my train of thought. Look what you did. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, Michael Hall and Skinner, uh, frustrating. Frustrating. okay. frustrating. Okay. Um, the thing is, Granite Hall came here to play with Eichel, but you didn't have to play Hall on that first line. My opinion was you should have reunited the skinner Hart eichel line, the line that was possibly the best line in the NHL just a few seasons ago, but you chose to, after last season, where you saw him not do anything on the second line with your makeshift center of Marcus Johansson, you buried him on the fourth line for the entirety of your tenure here, third and fourth line, you gave him very few opportunities on the first line and you almost no opportunities, uh, on on the first power play unit. And he, I don't think he played a single overtime minute this entire season, which is mind blowing to me. Absolutely mind blowing because pre Kruger, Jeff, uh, Jeff Skinner had a lot of success in overtime as a Buffalo Saber, a lot of success in that season. And, um, in you know, and is in his in his forty goals season, thirty two his forty goals were all five on five. So it's just really bad. It's really mind blowing that like Ralph Kruger, who seems such like a well spoken individual. You know, he's very he's an analytics guru. He doesn't read the analytics or read the room and see maybe I should have this guy with Jack Eichel because my team really sucks offensively.
0: Yeah, it's confusing, too. And like you mentioned, that that year Skinner scored 40 in in that 10-game winning streak that they had when the Sabres looked like a wagon that was coming alive. He scored two of those OT goals, and he assisted on three others. So it's a little weird. Uh, Dwayne, I think the other thing, too, and Steve, I'm glad you brought the Bills up, because when the Pagoulas bought them and they brought in guys like Brandon Bean and obviously their great coaching staff, they let the football people handle that. I feel like with the hockey team, they've really meddled with things. And you said this earlier, Dwayne, they got to let hockey people make hockey decisions. One thing that's confused me over the years of futility that the Sabres have had for over a decade now um, is how much they alienate some of their alumni, like most notably Pat LaFontaine, a guy that I'm sure under better circumstances would like to be a part of reviving this franchise. Yes, and the uh, other thing too is that they don't—they have an abhorrent scouting staff, and I, I'm not going to point to anybody in s- specific. I don't know their scouts off by hand, but you look at their draft results, and sure, it's easy to draft Eichel second overall. It's easy to draft Reinhardt fourth overall that year. He was a very good player. Um, I they don't make hay in the third round and beyond. And their scouting staff was gutted by the Pagulas last year as well. That was a mistake to me. I mean, it's just outside of all of that, though, part of your rant that caught a lot of people's attention was things like the LaFontaine situation and just silly things they do. To It's bad enough the team's bad, but it's so much worse when you alienate key figures of the franchise from the fans, isn't it?
6: Yeah. You know, again, one of the greatest things about Sabres hockey for me growing up, it was just, even if the team wasn't the best on the ice, like you, it was fun to be at a Sabres game. It was you know, there were the little things they did, things I used to bring up were like the Sabres carnival where they would, you know, you know, they have the whole team in the, ra- the arena for one day and all the fans could show up, you get autographs. You, you know, I, I believe the one year Derek plant, was in a dunk tank. You're racing players, the RC cars. It was, it was cool experience as a kid, man. It was a lot of fun. I have a lot of Kodak pictures. That my dad took just, a lot, they don't do stuff like that anymore. And, and, and you know, you know, if the team is, is going to suck, at least like give us things that, you know, make us enjoy being around the team, enjoy being fans of the team, and, and they don't do that. And you know, the arena is not in good shape. I mean, I I know money is that money is a thing right now, but you would think that during this COVID pause, you know, that they would have taken advantage of like, hey, let's do some renovating to the arena that people complain about so much. Nope, not at all. Um, Just you know, and then you brought up gutting the scouting staff. I mean, I don't. I think you still needed to gut the scouting staff, but when I say gut, I mean hire just new people. It was the, the, the history of this team's drafting has been horrid, horrid. It's been so bad. You know, there are misses on, you know, second, third, first, honestly, first round picks. You know, like you said it's easy to draft Dal, uh, Darlene first overall, Eichel and Sam second overall. It, you know, it, it's easy to make those picks. Even Dylan Cousins at eight was a good pick. Um, Jack Quinn, you know, many people question that, you know, Marco Rossi was on the board. They, you know, they need more tablet center. But, you know, Jack Quinn wasn't a hard pick. But all the like Nylander, Grigorenko, Gergenson's. I mean, Gergensen's, yeah, he's a he's a solid bottom six player, but he was a first round pick. You know, he hasn't worked out, you know, and then you see other former first round picks, you know, maybe not thriving or living up to the pick, but still playing in the NHL and contributing guys like Nikita Zadorov, uh still playing in the NHL. Um it's And then let's not even start about Ryan (laughs) O'Reilly. That's (laughs) the whole, like, like, that's, you know, people like, you know, like love to blame Jason Botterill for that. And yeah, he did play his part in it, but you didn't have to trade Ryan O'Reilly. You never had to, you know, I think that was motivated by ownership. I think there was something else there that isn't being told to the fans because Jason Botterill isn't a dumb individual. Like he, you know, he was bred in the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, dynasty era. And you know he knows the value of a Ryan O'Reilly and what he means to a team because he saw it firsthand what it means to have depth at that particular position and what it means to the success overall success of a hockey team. And you just don't trade guys like Ryan O'Reilly. So I knew he was due for a signing bonus. Um, I'm 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 I'm, per, I'm per one one of many who believe that the Pagula just didn't want to pay him that money and they wanted him gone. So. It, you know it, there's just so much wrong with this team from the from the top down and again i think it starts with just you know putting your pride aside or however you think things need to be done in order for you got you guys to get success and just hire hockey people oh Rick dudley you know let him make those tough decisions that you've been failing at making let him build your scouting staff let him let him let him find the right people to scout you know junior and college talent for you because again you have a lot of good young players still in your system right now. You guys have – you have Eric Portillo at the University of Michigan who has been an absolute stud under the tutelage of Steve Shields, goalie coach there, uh, like a 1.65 goals against the average as a freshman. It's insane. Uka Pekka Lukanen. We have Dylan Cousins here in Buffalo. Jack Quinn in Rochester. You want to make sure you have the right people making these decisions because you have these young core players. And the team itself is still young. Jack Eichel was, what, 23, 24 years old? I, I don't know at the end. Rasmus Dahlin's 20, like, I mean, these guys are still young, you know, you don't want to continuously groom them in this bad culture of hockey, bring in the right people to rebuild that culture, just like they did with the bills, you know, and be hands off with this team. Don't stop it with the all this BS of just, you know, you know meddling meddling with the team. It's just, it, that's where you're going wrong. And that's where you're losing this fan base.
3: Dwayne, I wanted to ask you just being south of the border, uh, one thing I really missed this year being in the North division is the Toronto and Buffalo rivalry, even oh though God, yeah. whenever, whenever Toronto went into Buffalo, they would always lose anyway. But do you miss the Toronto rivalry? And what do you think of the setup could, this year?
6: I could talk to you guys for an hour about that. I'm not going to lie. That, that could be for another show, but yeah, I like, I, here's the thing with me, like ever since the Ram went viral, I still hate the Maple Leafs, but I love your fans. I love the Maple Leafs fans because there's so much. There's so much to, so much we have in common. There really is. We have so yep. much in common. We like, you know, if you guys win a cup, as much as I hate it, I will be happy for the fans. I'll be happy for the team. I'll be happy for the fans because mm-hmm. I know what you guys have been through. Because yeah, you have Stanley Cups, but you don't have a Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? No, you know, I don't. You know, your, your, your most of your young fans, you guys don't have Stanley Cups. I don't. have I mean, we franchise doesn't have a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. But even if we did, I don't have a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I, I want that. And I, I, I just, it, it, it's, it, it, you know, I, that's, that's what I missed the most That 99 series, you know, Hasek versus Cujo. That yeah. was some of the, my favorite hockey to watch, man. You know, world-class goaltending from both Hasek and Cujo. And just, you know, um, it, it, it just, you, you know, Matt Sundin, obviously <laughs> Ty Domi, Darcy Tucker, all those guys, man, you know, you guys, you know, Blood would be spilled down in, in Toronto or in Buffalo whenever these teams played each other, and it was su- such fun hockey to watch. And the, I think it's so good for the NHL to want both of these teams to be good because when that rival when that rivalry is cooking, mm-hmm. it's something to watch, man. You know, people talk about the, the you know the, the the battle of Alberta or whatever, but like Buffalo and Toronto can be a lot of fun.
0: It really, really can. And Dwayne, I mean, we appreciate you doing this, buddy. And I really hope things turn around for you. I mean, like you said, there are a lot of good young pieces there, and I really hope that guys like Darlene and hopefully Eichel. uh, I really hope he doesn't get traded. I hope he stays. I I hope that things start to turn around. I mean, I had a.
6: You will lose. uh, Yeah, there's no return. return You there's no return a team can give you that's going to be equal to his value. Because in order to get that value, you're going to have to essentially mortgage your entire team, and what team is willing to do that?
0: Yeah, it, uh, I I just don't think it's realistic, and and it would just be another heart in the d- uh, dagger in the heart rather. And I mean, yeah, I, I I love Buffalo fans. I loved going to games there as a kid. It's a great place to watch hockey and interact with great hockey fans, some of the very best in the United States. I mean, I had a relative that captained the team. I have a soft spot for the Sabres. I mean, okay, I want them yes, to be better.
6: Chris, how, how, what's the relation?
0: Uh, he's a, he's my fifth cousin, and so oh. he's, a, he's a distant relative.
6: Now, but. now, you might not be able to tell me, you know, you, again, maybe, again, was there ever any interest on his side of things in the Buffalo job before Kevin Adams got it?
0: I really couldn't tell you that. And I and I don't uh, I would speculate probably not because they've made him promises since he became the AGM there that he would be the GM of the New York Rangers within yeah. a couple of years. Jeff Gordon will step aside, Chris will take over, which I mean is great for cousin Chris. Like I mean he's worked really hard. Um, but yeah, like I said, Dwayne, I want the Sabers to recover. I really want that rivalry with Toronto to come back. And uh, again, he is the co-host of the Two Goalies One my podcast. You can find it where all p- podcasts are found, including this show. So it's not hard to find Dwayne. We really appreciate you doing this, buddy. And we hope for better things ahead for your Sabres. Thanks, buddy.
6: Yeah, thank you for having me on guys. Anytime you guys want to, you know, hop on our podcast or you want me on again, you know, I'm happy to do it
0: absolutely man uh, we, we know how to get a hold of each other we appreciate this my friend all right we'll take one last quick break here uh, before we bring on our wagering expert chris abbott from Coolbet to talk about some wagers revisit what happened at the briar and talk a little bit about the nfl landscape lots of signings and some trouble down in houston with their star quarterback we will talk about that next here on mwo sports brought to you by
1: Coolbet.co. this is mwo sports
0: Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO sports for the week. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky, and we welcome on our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. Chris, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing great boys. How are you guys doing today? Uh, no, no Steve this week.
0: Well, Steve was on. He had to take off. You know, he's a busy guy. All right. He's a news director. <laughs> this, this guy's got a lot on his plate. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a lot on their plate, uh, let's dive into an unfortunate situation developing in the NFL right now. Uh, Houston Texans star quarterback who has voiced that he wants out for a long time now. Deshaun Watson is in some legal trouble is what we could say uh, as we record this on, on Thursday, March 18th, it's crazy. It's March 18th. Uh, a third civil suit was filed against him by a woman uh, claiming sexual assault. So it's three separate women now that have filed cases against him. It's not looking great for Deshaun Watson. Um, obviously due diligence has to, you know, go through the process and everything, but it, if, and the NFL just released a statement that they are investigating this. And I mean, uh, uh, let's be honest, Chris, the history of the NFL with you look back on the Ray rice situation and things like that. I don't think anybody can count on them to adequately. Don't dole out punishment. If punishment is due here. Um, But if he is found guilty of any of this, his career could be in jeopardy here. And that would have wide ranging effects on the league. Fantasy sports betting betting on the Texans or whatever team is trying to acquire him like this could be a very very bad situation for the NFL which ultimately isn't the biggest issue here but this is a sports show what could this
1: mean. Yeah, I mean, so I think you, I think you did a good job of framing it there. The, you know, the legalities of it and, and all that. We'll let that play out. I mean, oftentimes with these things, where there's smoke, there's fire, for sure. But um, you know, we'll see what happens there. When it comes strictly to Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans and their value for for betting or fantasy or what have you. I mean, on the field, he's literally the only thing that they have left in Houston. So I I don't know that you know if he's there or not there, it's going to affect much to be honest, I mean, it, it'll, it'll make the turnaround for the Texans more years than it's already going to be. Like, I think they're in for some hard times, uh, with that franchise. So I, I, I would think that, uh, you know, if Deshaun Watson's not in the league, uh, certainly, um, you know, if, if you've got him on, uh, you know, cause he is a, a great player. Uh, if you've got him on, you know, a, um, a fantasy team, a franchise, that's the word I'm looking for. uh, And and you're doing it every single year and he's your star quarterback and you picked him, and you're like, I'm good for 10 years. Uh, Now now you're scrambling. So I don't know that it would affect their odds too much from like a Super Bowl um, contender type thing because they're already uh, sky high. But um, yeah, it certainly would shake things up.
0: Just in terms of betting on his potential location, I know uh, a few friends that have laid bets on his potential new team. I mean, the, the Bears are in the mix. I mean, obviously, they're out now uh, having signed a quarterback and uh, in Andy Dalton. The My Patriots were apparently rumored to be in play. There are a number of teams that were sniffing around this guy. Has there been any action on your part that you've seen in terms of betting that could be affected now on his potential destination?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a, the favorite odds were for him to return to Houston. But after that, uh, Denver and Carolina, two teams that definitely need quarterbacks mm. um, are right there on the list. I mean, I know that John always come out and said, you know, we're going to make this work with Drew Locke kind of thing. But as soon as they can replace Drew Locke, they're going to replace Drew Locke. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be it, it's something to consider for sure, because there's not many star quarterbacks that can walk into a locker room and, and instantly turn your team around. He, he would be one of them. Um, and then I guess you'd have to look at if he is let go by the Texans because of this, you know, legal trouble. I think you got to look at teams from a from a betting perspective uh, who have maybe not had the best morals and have employed some of these. Um, these these legal cases uh in the past um obviously kansas city is one of those teams he's not going to replace patrick mahomes so um yeah it's more about then i think the culture and the um <laughs> the level of tolerance of uh, legal issues off the field um as opposed to uh what you can bring to the team on the field see who's uh willing to take that risk
3: yeah chris let's, let's turn our Sorry, let's turn our attention to On Ice now with the Briar wrapping up last Sunday. Uh, you know, an exciting week, I thought. Team Epping, mm-hmm. Team Howard, or Wayne Madaw, however you want to say it, I thought were raiding contention. And then they just sort of fell off at the end of the week. And uh, Botcher with his first. Briar, did you make any money on that?
1: Um, we, when it came down to it, and, and oftentimes for these events, you know, the futures bets and then people betting on these teams during the tournament, you're usually in a negative position to, to pay out um, your futures bet to just try and move the risk around. We, we our biggest risk was on Kevin Cooey. So for him to lose was actually good for us. We also had risk on a, a market that we had created. Will Brendan Botcher finish second place uh, at the team's request? By the way, so um, <laughs> I don't think it was the team; it was their social media account uh, who who said, you know, what are the odds? This is before the tournament. Uh, what are the odds for us finishing uh, second again? Yeah, but uh, you know, it's a great story. I'm really happy for them. Uh, they started the the week maybe just average, and then and uh, really kicked it into high gear. And I thought. Um, you know, I thought the Madaw-Howard team definitely uh, would have overachieved uh, along the mm-hmm. way. And and I, I eventually, you know, the the cream rose to the top. But I think it was a fantastic story. I think it was great for the sport. I think it was great for sports overall and great for Canada. Um, but yeah, we, um, from a, how we did in the tournament perspective, I think we, you know, we didn't make a whole lot of money. We took a lot of bets. Um, but, you know, there was uh, some predictable outcomes early in the week. And, um, you know, the, the best teams were, were there who we saw yeah. action on before the tournament on the weekend. So uh, it was a lot of fun though. And we'll be, uh, we'll be having some odds for the playoff round of the mixed doubles. And then of course the men's and women's world's coming up afterwards. So it's, I, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been great.
3: I'm not sure exactly how they've changed the format, but I wasn't, I, I didn't get it at the end. I I don't know why, maybe because my guys weren't there, but the Sunday, um, you know, the the semifinal and the final just seemed, well, the final obviously is the same, but getting there it was different, right? And I I don't know if I like the format
1: um, yeah, it's, it's different. The uh, change is, is hard when we're used to watching, uh, curling mm. in a certain way in the page playoff system and, and everything yeah. else, but yeah, in order to accommodate, you know, they want to have all the territories and provinces represented in order to accommodate that, you have to expand your pools. Yeah. Um, so I, I like the idea of carrying your, you know, your, your preliminary round, if you want to call it into that championship round on, on okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, um, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I think it, it, Ensures that all you have to play every other top team, you can't sneak by and and have someone else get knocked out on your behalf. So, I I like that part of it. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I think maybe they could do some tinkering. I don't know that you want to be having you know that team to have the semi final in the morning and then the final at night. And and they just narrowly divided well, they had to do it at the at the Scotties, right? They had a tiebreaker in the morning, then the semi, then the final. And it's an awful lot to ask for the players because those last few days, they, they play a lot of curling, you know, no draws off back to back to back. So, um, yeah, I, I think some of the players, uh, might not like the format as much, but, um, from a fan perspective to see all these teams have to play each other, it was, it was pretty great. You just need more, more feeds on more ranks. when you've got those, those eight men's teams going head to head and you've only got the one TV game. It'd be great. Uh, you know, TSN's yeah. got 78 channels. It'd be great if they, if they had the capability to, you know, even, even with yeah. just the players mic'd up instead and of they, commentary or whatever?
3: Yeah, they have done that in the past where they've split split the games, but yeah, it was mm-hmm. fun to watch. I love watching it was. curling.
1: It, w- it was fun to watch, and,
0: and like you mentioned, Chris, hot time to bet on curling uh, with lots of great tournaments on the go and coming up. Uh, I would like to pose one last thing to you. We had Sabres super fan and host of Two Goalies One Mike Podcast, Dwayne Steinel on just before you. Uh His Sabres are, <laughs> you know, you fade the Sabres as much as you can as a better. I'll pose this to you. Let's say I give you Plus 700 odds, I'll set it at, I'll I'll set it at plus 700. I believe at the time of recording this, they have 23 games left. Do they win five more games? I'll give you that at plus 700. Do you lay $5 on that? Five more wins out of 23 games. Do you take that bet?
1: They're in a tough division. I'd have to look at who they play down the stretch because I feel like they've already got a lot, some a of the games of Washington, against New Jersey. Yeah. A lot of Boston. Yeah. So, you so, know, no. if, they had, if they had more games left against New Jersey, Philadelphia, um, who else in that division? The Rangers. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh. But, I mean, yeah, yeah when you get into, get into playing multiple games against Washington and Boston and the Islanders, uh, I, I feel like you'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, so, yeah, that, you know – Obviously, it's a bit of a train wreck what's going on in Buffalo right now. But also, that's a really tough division. (laughs) And I don't think this season, the way it shook out, did them a whole lot of favors when they would have been in a division with, you know, Ottawa, um, they would have got to play Florida and Tampa a little bit more. Although um, I think those teams are a little bit overrated based on their division. Like the Panthers have a phenomenal record, but I don't know that they're, they're really that good. So um, yeah, I, I think the the realignment didn't help Buffalo this year, but I, I'd, for plus 700, I'd have to take them to go five and 18. I I'd take that bet.
0: He would take that bet. It's not official, but Yeah, you heard it here first. He would take the bet. I I would maybe consider it as well. All right. Uh, We appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for doing this.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure, guys.
0: Our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, make sure you visit CoolBet and uh, lay some heat down on these great curling tournaments and uh, maybe don't bet on the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Unless you want to take the over. Bet the Ober and Sabres games. You can do that. Alright, you can find the show on all the best podcast apps. We air Friday nights just after 6 on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca except for Friday nights like this week when we will air just after 5.30 because the Leafs play at 7 and on nights like that we carry right into 6.30 pregame. You can catch every pregame and Leafs game live on CKNX this year including the playoffs, so remember that. We also air Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 on Whiteman and we are also on YouTube Friday night's debuting at 9 p.m. I am Ryan Drury. That's Clarkey And for our other co-host, Steve Saber and our friend Ian Doig of the Ian Doig Golf Academy, Dwayne Steinel of the Two Goalies One Mike Podcast, of course, our wagering expert Chris Abbott from Coolbet. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co.